0: Thanks for listening to The Awakening Podcast. We hope this message inspires and encourages you today. We're in a series titled All In. I wanted to start the year and really the next decade with um, this concept that we're not called to do little, be little, accomplish little, but God calls us to go all in. God calls us to pursue Him with everything that we've got. And he lays out the formula of what it looks like to pursue Jesus in this incredible verse in the Bible. It's found in Luke chapter nine. Jesus is speaking to his disciples in a crowd and he makes this declarative statement saying, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. And and this is kind of a, a spiritual blueprint that Jesus lays out on what it looks like to pursue Jesus Christ. It's, it's kind of an outline, a bit of a formula, a, a practical step on what it looks like to pursue Jesus Christ. He says, first and foremost, you're going to have to deny yourself. If I'm the goal, you can't be the, the, the focus. You're going to have to engage self-denial. But then he moves on and he says, and you're going to have to take up your cross, which is the next step of self-denial, which is self-sacrifice. I want you to take another step. I want you to go a little bit deeper, a little bit further. I want to sacrifice even your very life. And then he says, and then you can follow me, which is meaning submitting your will to his will, your way to his way. You're no longer doing your own thing. You're no longer going your own way, but now you're choosing to align yourself with someone greater than yourself, Jesus. But but, but look at the next verse, what he says. He says, for whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. If you're looking for life, Jesus gives us this incredible formula, saying if you're obsessed with attaining for yourself life. You're going to end up wasting it. But if you give up your life, for me, the greatest cause that humanity has ever seen, you will end up experiencing, tasting, touching salvation. Today, I want to talk to you about embracing your sacrifice. Embracing your sacrifice, which I know is not a popular subject, but it is a subject that is going to touch every single person under the sound of my voice at some point in your life. The problem is that we live in a society and, and we've really been conditioned in our culture to avoid sacrifice, right, right, right. to avoid it at all costs, because our culture is so finite, our culture is so self-oriented, it's so, so limited that it always naturally tends towards self. So anything that says to deny yourself can't be good because the ultimate good is me. And, and, and so we, we're, we live at odds with a culture that has truly created a, 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 um, a society, a system, an atmosphere where pleasure is good and pain is bad always. Always. And yet, we live and breathe and move in a life that is surrounded by painful moments. Difficult circumstances. Everyone here has been touched by struggle. And everyone here will have to come to a point where you choose a sacrifice. Even if you, tr- um, in your whole life, you try with all your might to avoid sacrifice. Make no mistake, there will come a moment in your life where sacrifice will present itself to you. And and, and the only The only choice we really have when it comes to sacrifice is, are we going to embrace it or are we going to reject it? Because the reality is everyone is going to have to sacrifice something in their life. Our response is the only thing we can control. And more than that, I I do believe we can control what we sacrifice and to whom we sacrifice. We don't sacrifice to lesser gods. Jesus is calling us to embrace our sacrifice to him and him alone. And and, and here's the truth. Sacrifice, sacrifice will produce, sacrifice produces things in you that the superficial never could. Sacrifice produces deep things in your character, in your life, through circumstances, that the superficial, the easy way out, never could accomplish. Sacrifice is actually a gift. And I would challenge you today to hear about this subject with an open heart, with open ears. Imagine if you were to get everything you ever wanted with no struggle, perfect ease. The moment you speak your desire, the desire is fulfilled. Some of you might be saying, that sounds good. The reality is, that would make you weak. That would make you immature. That would make you self-centered. That that would make you disconnected from reality, empathy, your brothers and sisters. The reality is, you really don't want everything you want. Because if you got everything you wanted, you would never mature past a four-year-old sensibility. No, it's struggle and sacrifice that begins to build depth deep in your soul. It's struggle and it's sacrifice that begins to make so much more of you than you could ever make of yourself. When Jesus is calling for you to take up your cross, it is a challenge of sacrifice that is not meant to hurt you, harm you, or kill you. It is meant to make you. It's meant to make you. And by the way, disciples are made. Jesus says, go into all the world and make disciples. There's a process to this. There's some steps to this. There's a journey to this. Even elite athletes would tell you that there is no glory without deep sacrifice. There is no reward that is worth anything unless you had to sacrifice greatly for it. You have to give up relationships. You have to give up time. You have to give up food. You have to give up diet. You have to push your body past a certain limit. And and they'll do all of these things because the reward is worth the sacrifice. The reward is the focus. The reward is the fulfillment. The reward is the goal, which reorients what sacrifice is. I'm not looking to avoid it. If there is a goal, I will embrace it for the greater goal. And, and it's, so, it's so true in our spiritual lives that there is something that's worth more than just the everyday that's worth you striving towards. Paul says, don't you know that many runners run the race, but only one will win the, win the prize. When you run your race, you better run as if you are trying to win the prize. He says, fix your eyes on Jesus Christ, who, by the way, has run this race before you. He is the forerunner of our faith. He sets the pace. He sets the mark. He chooses the path. Jesus says, I am the way. I'm no longer in a rat race. I'm no longer even just in the human race. I am in an eternal race marked out by the creator king. And so, so throw off sin that so easily entangles you and screws you up. That's sacrifice. Why? Because there's a greater goal. There's a race that has an end reward. He says, throw off the, the weight of the world and the sin that that so easily entangles you and run the race that Jesus marked out, that Jesus went before us, where Jesus crossed the finish line, where Jesus received the crown of glory, and where Jesus is now seated in the winner's box, and he's looking down amidst with everyone around you, cheering you on, saying, do what it takes, but do not stop running this race. Do what it takes, but do not run after lesser things because only one thing is worthy of your life. Only one thing, and it's Jesus and Jesus alone. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, he is the one we pursue. And Jesus, knowing this, says, okay, if your goal is to run after me, we have to start with self-denial. But when you've kind of mastered that and, As we've spoken about the self-disciplines that come along with that, as your character grows, as your maturity grows, as you learn the ability to say no to yourself and say no to the things that keep you from God, Jesus says, now if you want to run after me, you have to do something else. You're going to have to take up a weight. You're going to have to embrace the sacrifice. You're going to have to push through some things. There's going to be a very real struggle. What's Jesus saying? He's saying embrace the sacrifice. This is his appeal to you and I. This is his challenge. Embrace the sacrifice that I have marked out for you specifically to embrace. This is why you can't run other people's race. Because you might not be able to handle their weight. Right. That cross that's made for them won't fit you. But Jesus says, but my yoke is easy and my burden is light. What is he saying? He's saying it might be difficult, but I will make it a perfect fit and I'll be yoked with you in this, but before you come to me, or, or maybe, maybe I should say in the process of coming to me, something is on you and in you that we need to get off of you. Before you follow me, before we get there, you need to say no to you, and then there's some things in you that need to die. There are some emotions, reactions, There are some actions, some past hurts. There are some some bitter grudges. There are are some things in you that have taken root and have taken hold, not in the spirit, but in the flesh, and they need to die. The cross is an instrument of execution. And Jesus is saying, there's some things I want you to put on it now. Take up your cross and follow me. The, The author Simon Sinek tells a great story um, in the, about in the 18th century. It's, it's really pretty incredible. There was a, a plague that was, that was coming through all of Europe and, and, and eventually reached the Americas. It was, it was called Purple Fever. It was the, the black death of, of childbearing. And what would happen is they were finding that after a woman would give birth, one to three days afterwards, they would be struck with a fever and, and symptoms that would eventually lead to death. And, and the statistics only grew and grew. And as they tried to figure out what it was, it seemed like it was getting worse and worse. And, and, and in some hospitals, the, the, the statistics got up to 70% of, of fatality rates of women who had just given birth. And so the doctors being in the, the age of science Began to devote everything they had in them to figure out what the cause of this disease is that's leading so many women to die in the process of jo- childbirth more than 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 any time in all of in all of history. And so what they did was they began to study it and they, they began to write papers on it and, and they began to do autopsies on all of the bodies that that were stricken with this purple fever. And, and and day after day, year after year, they would study the bodies, trying to figure out what is the link and what is the cause of this death. And and they they gave themselves to it. And so every morning they would they would have these autopsies to figure out what it was. And, and once they were finished, they would, they would deliver babies and finish their rounds day after day after day. The only problem was they weren't washing their hands in between the autopsies and the, the delivering of babies. And so a man named Oliver Wendell Holmes Sr., the father of the chief justice, he, he wrote a paper on this saying, may, maybe this is what's happening. Maybe this is, is the cause. What he suggested is, He says, I don't mean I don't mean to criticize the doctors, but maybe we're the cause of the fever. For 30 years they rejected his papers until really germ theory came in the 19th century and finally it was accepted. And only then, once there started to be cleanliness and sanctification, did the purple fever begin to go away and be abated. The point is, sometimes we are the problem. Sometimes We have things on us and in us that bring death to us, and honestly, to those around us. Sometimes we are carriers, knowingly or unknowingly, of things that need to be put to death, that need to be sanctified, that need to be changed, that need to be faced, that need to have gotten off of you, out of you. And so sacrifice leads to the process of sanctification, which which means cleansing. Sacrifice begins to cleanse you body, mind, and soul, so that the disease of sin doesn't spread in you, on you, and through you. You might say, Well, hey, Jordan, it's my life. I could do whatever I want. I can do whatever I want. But Paul says look, all things are, are, are acceptable, but not all things are beneficial. You can do whatever you want, but that doesn't mean everything is good. doesn't mean everything's helpful. It doesn't mean everything's good. Sure, you can eat whatever you want, but that doesn't mean everything is good for you. I, I can do whatever I want, but, but Paul says, fine, do whatever you want, but I won't be enslaved by anything. And listen, slavery is whatever you can't say no to. If I am unable to say no, I have to look at this thing as something that has more authority than me, over me. And that's an area where I need to begin to knowingly, willingly choose sacrifice because I have to submit this to God. He's the only one that, needs, that is allowed to have power over my life. Can you say amen? amen? We're not going to be enslaved to the flesh, but we're going to be servants of the Spirit. Look, look, at, look at what Paul says to the church in Galatians. He says, so now those who belong to Christ Jesus, they have nailed their passions and desires of their sinful nature." to the cross and crucified them there. What is he saying? He's saying there are parts of you that need to be put up on the cross just like Jesus. There are parts of your flesh, your old nature, your fallen nature, your earthly nature, your worldly nature, your natural, instinctual, common nature that are not for your better. They are not for the eternal. They are not for the infinite. Those things must be put on the cross with Christ and die there because I need to be a new creation. It's what Jesus promised me, and it's what I'm going to take hold of. Behold... All things are passed away, all things become new. Galatians says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer the old me that lives, but now it's Christ living in me. And the life that I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me. Jesus doesn't demand this out of anger or hatred. He doesn't demand this because you're lesser. No, he's saying, I love the real you. You love the real you. The part that gets in the way, we need to deal with that because the real you is the one we're gonna have a relationship with. He loved me and, and because he loved me, he gave himself for me because love always leads to sacrifice. Love is the premier motivator of sacrifice. And that's what drove Jesus to the cross. It was love for God so loved the world that he gave. What is giving but sacrifice? Sacrifice is the action of self-denial. It is when I don't just say it, speak it, believe it, but when I do it, love the world, that he gave himself for the world. The the cross is the model of sacrifice. It's the ultimate sacrifice. It's the sacrifice we couldn't make, but he made for us. And so that's why we look to the cross. Yes, it's an instrument of execution, but it's been redeemed. As the ultimate instrument of life. Sacrifice leading to life. Jesus modeled it for us. Because because Jesus never calls you to something that you can't do. And Jesus won't call you to something that he hasn't already done. He's the older brother that goes before us. He, He helps us in time of need. He sends his spirit to bring strength. Jesus, he models sacrifice shows what it looks like, not just with his death, but with his whole life. But in those moments of the crucifixion, that's when Jesus really shows the whole world what an ultimate sacrifice looks like. I want to read this to you. In Jesus' sacrifice, though he was all-powerful, he surrendered, saying, not my will, but thine. Though he was without fault, he was falsely accused. And he responded, the Bible says, by speaking not a word. Though he was appointed by God to judge, he was judged by lesser men. He was mocked by men he gave the ability to speak. Beaten by men who he was stronger than. And when he was presented the shameful cross of execution, he embraced it. And when he died, he brought life. That's, that's the secret of sacrifice. The world tries to convince you it will lead to lesser. It will lead to death. It will lead to just pain. But the secret of sacrifice is that somehow it produces life. Somehow what you gain is way more than whatever you lost. There's just something about sacrifice that God looks on and rewards and blesses and speaks over something so powerful about this ancient spiritual discipline. It brings life. And this is why Jesus promises saying, take up your cross and lose your life and that's the way that you're going to find life. It's not a contradiction. It's a supernatural way of living. It's something greater. It's something eternal. It's something more. Somehow, sacrifice brings life. And, And And we see this happen even in our society. The the, the woman in this room could attest, those that have given birth, that it was an extreme sacrifice. My wife reminds me of it all the time. (laughs) When I don't want to take out the garbage, she's like, I gave birth. (laughs) Good point, good point. It's an extreme sacrifice. Incredible struggle, incredible pain. But isn't it amazing that that the greatest sacrifice brings the greatest gift, which is life. The thing of most value only comes through most struggle. Somehow, sacrifice brings life. It's supernatural. Sacrifice is supernatural. Which, by the way, even the ancients knew that. The Aztecs, the Babylonians, the Persians, every single society connected Connected sacrifice with the supernatural they knew it but see it wasn't supposed to be us killing ourselves Jesus was the final and accepted sacrifice but now Paul says now I'm a living sacrifice every day is my sacrifice which by the way through that living sacrifice comes transformation that's where comes renewing of the mind that's where comes the revealing of God's will it only comes through being a living sacrifice my challenge to you today is to not stray away from sacrifice. There was a man named Simon from Cyrene, and he came upon the the scene of the crucifixion. He was from a long way off. Cyrene is in northern Africa, modern-day Libya, over 800 miles away from Jerusalem. And and this man took his two sons, and, and they were coming to celebrate Passover, as Jewish people would try and do once in their life, and, and this was the culmination of this man's life. On this incredibly long journey, he's finally coming into Jerusalem and he sees, he sees a scene that he wasn't expecting. He's looking for celebration, but it, instead he sees a scene of suffering. He, he's looking for a celebration of life, Passover, which, which is a picture of when death passed over and there's life. And yet here's a man dragging a cross through the middle of the streets of Jerusalem at this holy time. It doesn't add up, and the closer he's getting, the more he's seeing the, the bloody, the beaten, the mocked human that is Jesus, and, and his curiosity overcame him, and he came to see what is happening here, and he's, he's with his, his sons, and, and, and maybe his, his extended family taking this trip together, and, and, and an incredible situation happens. Simon, the, the passerby, Simon, the the, um, the random person, Simon, the, 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 the person in the crowd, stops and sees Jesus stop before him. And a Roman centurion turns to Simon and says, you, take up his cross. Take up his cross and follow him. He was just coming in from the country, the Bible says. And now here he is in the middle of a crucifixion. Here's something I know about sacrifice. It always comes unexpectedly. You'll never be prepared for sacrifice. It never telegraphs that it's coming. It's just gonna come. And now you have a choice. How are you gonna respond? This is the moment of decision. Are you gonna run from it? Or are, you gonna, are you gonna deny it? Or are you gonna be angry about it? Are you gonna be enraged by it? Are you gonna become bitter about it? Or are you gonna step into it? and embrace it. Simon had no say in this, that he was compelled to carry the cross, but you do have a say in how you're gonna react to the sacrifice when it comes, even when it comes unexpectedly, as it always does. How are you gonna react? When I was in Israel, never forget, phone call on the final day, which said that my my dad had fallen, it was really bad, and he'd broken his neck, and and we, we didn't know anything more then the fact that it was very serious and, and it, we weren't sure if he was gonna be paralyzed and I didn't know if he was even alive. And the updates were coming slowly and we booked a, a, a flight. We left as soon as we can, as soon as possible. And we're in the air. We had no Wi-Fi, we had no cell service and, and for 14 hours, we didn't know if my, if my father was alive or if he was dead or if he would ever walk again. I began to pray like I never prayed before because here's something about moments of extreme sacrifice, extreme stress, of extreme pain. You find something in you that you didn't know was there. It was Friday, and so someone was going to have to preach on Sunday, which was Father's Day. And so I'm I'm it. I'm the one that's going to have to preach this sermon. The only problem is I'm terrified. I don't know what I'm going to land to. And I had this moment of decision, how am I going to begin this sermon that I'm going to preach? And am I going to preach at all? Or I just let someone else handle it? I made this decision, which maybe you only get every once in a while in your life, that I'm going to step in to whatever happens as a sacrifice. And I looked at that blank, blank page in front of me trying to figure out how am I going to begin this sermon on Father's Day, and I wrote the phrase, God is good. Wow. No matter what I landed to, I made the promise that the first thing I was going to say on this stage is God is good. Wow. Even in the midst of sacrifice, I trust his sovereignty. He's good. <laughs> tell you, it was great. It was great to be able to say that phrase on Sunday. It's the most incredible, incredible phrase I've ever got to start a sermon with. And he was so much gooder than I ever thought he was. But he's good no matter what happens. Even when I don't understand it. Even when it doesn't go my way. Even when it's painful. Even when it's struggle. My finite mind cannot understand an infinite God. But I've got to trust in something and I've got to trust in someone. And I'm not going to trust in in horses or chariots. In other words, I'm not going to trust in strength. I'm not going to trust in government. I'm not going to trust in money. I'm certainly not going to trust in self. I have to trust in someone, something that knows me, loves me, created me, and I know He's for me. So, despite this sacrifice, I I I have to look at His sacrifice, knowing now that He doesn't ask me to do something He hasn't already done, and He embraced His sacrifice, and so we get to step up and cling to the sacrifice. And and Simon of Cyrene, he he grabbed the sacrifice that he thought wasn't His. And the reality was it was his. It was yours and it was mine. The cross actually wasn't Jesus's. That was our death. That, that was our penance. That, that, that was our execution. But Jesus is the one that willingly bore it for us. And, and it's a picture of Jesus saying, I'm going to take on all of this, but there's going to be a moment where you're going to share in my sufferings. You'll know what I went through so that you could have eternal life. No, death is not our portion, life is our portion because he's the one that took the finality of the cross. But when I have to sacrifice and when we have to suffer, we now are able to empathize with those who are suffering and empathize with Jesus on the cross, knowing you did this for me. You went through this for me. You had this kind of love for me. It's incredible. You would never know it, understand it, be able to grasp it unless you went something through it. You, unless you went through something similar to it. And the only. Let me say it this way: sacrifice brings you closer to Jesus. When Simon touched that cross, he touched the very blood of Jesus. His sacrifice brought him into contact with the blood of Jesus. And it's the blood of Jesus that brings mercy. It's the blood of Jesus that brings life. It's the blood of Jesus that brings renewal. It's the blood of Jesus that brings restoration. It's the blood of Jesus that brings healing over us. As he began to sacrifice, he began to get the blood of Jesus on him because Jesus will never, ever let you go through a sacrifice alone and without help. And without His blood over your life, sacrifice brings you in contact with the blood of Jesus. His sons, His sons were there. I pray your sons and your daughters see you sacrifice. Say this is what it looks like to follow Jesus. This is the action. This is the standard. This is the lifestyle. You know, it's amazing later on in the book of Acts, they say, say hello to to Rufus, who is the name of the son of Cyrene. Something that he saw that day impacted his life so much. He dedicated his life to Jesus. And as Jesus walked before Simon, Simon walking behind him, he was fulfilling literally the call we're all called to have out of the verse in Luke. Jesus went before us. He denied himself. He took up his cross, and he followed behind Jesus. I want you to know you'll never, ever go through sacrifice alone. Jesus will always walk with you. He'll always walk with you. He'll always be with you. Always. He's done it before, and he walks with you through. And knowing that he's going to take the final sacrifice at the end, that, that in the end you don't get put up on that cross, he did. And at the end, it wasn't Simon, it was Jesus on that in other words, you and I, we receive life at the end of this finish line. And think about it. Simon thought, Simon thought. why would I have to associate with this criminal? Why would I have to be the one to bear the weight that's not mine, not even knowing he's the criminal and it's his weight? Why would it have to be me that is associated with Christ, not knowing the greatest honor that humanity has ever seen was just bestowed on him through this sacrifice that he would be able to take apart of the cross of Jesus Christ, that there was a burden that he could help bear, that there was something that he could do for Jesus. But hear me, that's not just his call, that's our call. We are Simon of Cyrene, and whatever Jesus calls us to, may we embrace it willingly. I pray you are associated with Jesus Christ. I pray it gets on your family. All the crowd knew he must be associated with him. He must be friends with him, he must be a follower of him. Nobody knows if he was, but we know by the end he certainly was, because nobody can touch the cross of crucifixion and come away unchanged, associated with Jesus through sacrifice. I pray your sacrifice is a witness to the crowd around you. I pray it's a witness to the world. Hear me, it's through how you respond to sacrifice that will set you apart from the rest in society. You have peace through it. You have joy through it. No, no, it's not that you don't go through it. You go through it, but there's something different on you. Hear me. You've got the strength to carry this cross. God will not give you a burden unbearable. You you are stronger than you think you are, and you are strong enough for this sacrifice. Think about what happened in the early church with the early Christians, when they were thrown in the Colosseum, when they were burned alive and eaten by lions, one after another, they went on their knees and they bowed their heads and they accepted death, not because they were weak or cowards, but because they said, if this be my cross, it's my honor to receive it. And what happened? You would think that all of society would look on that and say, whatever they believe, don't believe it. Whatever they do, stay away from it. But instead, a revival began to to rise around the Colosseum. They could not stomp out the followers of the way. And it's not because of just the blessings and the goodness, though that's true. It was because of how they reacted in the times of great suffering and sacrifice that was appealing to something inside of man, saying, they got something I don't have. And they went to their... Their glory in heaven and receive their crown the moment they pass over. Sacrifice brings incredible life. Their crown the moment they pass over. Jesus calls us to that. Sacrifice brings incredible life daily. Jesus calls us to that. In fact, He calls us to do it daily. Because Jesus isn't looking for one giant sacrificial moment of your life, he's saying every day I want you to deny yourself. Yeah. Every day yeah. I want you to follow me. Yeah. There's gonna be some moments that are once in a lifetime moments of sacrifice, but, but don't let that, that be the only moment. Yeah. Jesus is saying, I'm looking for a sacrificial lifestyle to flow out of you. The choices you make, you know, Paul's talking to, to the church, and he says, husbands, love your wife like Christ loved the church, whom he loved so much that he laid his life down. What's he saying? He's saying, in marriage, there needs to be sacrifices. Where you lay your life down. And when you do that, you are doing a spiritual thing. You're doing a spiritual thing. Where you choose, I don't agree, I'm not happy with this, I'm very frustrated. I'm choosing to sacrifice right now. You'd be shocked at the Spirit, the Holy Spirit that comes on you and comes in that room. I'm not saying it's easy, I'm saying it's a discipline. I'm choosing to sacrifice, I'm choosing to give up. I'm choosing to give something I really like, but I'm gonna give it because I need to remind myself that I'm not here to hoard more stuff. I'm choosing to be generous. Choosing to give away. I'm choosing to have peace in the midst of chaos. Now, I might have to pray 50 times a day to maintain that peace, but this is a choice that I'm gonna have. Peace in the midst of storm. That's my sacrifice. I don't know what your sacrifice looks like, but I know that Jesus is calling you to it. And I know that what comes from sacrifice, especially one that you do every day, is something that cannot be attained when you're so focused on self. Paul says, "I die daily." The goal is to become like Jesus Christ." That's the goal. It's to become like Jesus Christ, and he was a sacrificial savior. So to become like him, I'm going to embrace sacrifice. I'm going to do what it takes. I'm not going to run from it. I'm going to accept it, but I'm going to ask God to use this sacrifice to grow me, to build me, to change me, to make my life as a witness, to lead my children, create a legacy. I'm going to ask God to use the sacrifice to kill the flesh, deny the shallow, get rid of the superficial, and build a deep work in me. Deny yourself. Take up your cross. Follow me. And then Jesus says, enter into the joys of salvation. That is our promised land. For whoever gives up their life, they'll find it. Whoever tries to save their life, they'll lose it. What does it profit a man if he gains the whole world? But he gives up his very soul. I thank you that we're a sacrificial people that willingly give so that we might receive the thing that actually matters, eternal life. Thanks for listening to The Awakening Podcast. We hope this message has encouraged you If you want to learn more about our church, visit us online at awakening.global. We'll see you soon.